Chapter Twenty One of Lift Luck on Southern Roads by Tickner Edwards. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. An eloquent signpost. At the top of the hill, I came full upon a thing that drove this uncanny infant completely out of my mind, and at once sent me off hot foot on another adventure. It was only a signpost and bore only two words, but these words brought back to me a history that once had filled all men's thoughts from end to end of the land. To Titchbourne. It is not so wonderful that we should remember so many of the incidents of our childhood as that childish memory should retain or discard on such a capricious and inconsequent plan i must have been a very small boy indeed when the great titchbourne case stirred all men's minds and filled all newspapers but though it must have been a typically uninteresting thing to a child the details of the case hold in my memory now with a strange clearness this was no doubt due to the fact that every evening my father read out aloud the entire day's report of the trial and i was forced to listen and that in silence held severely still in the lap of a maiden aunt i was a devoted partisan of the claimant from the beginning his friend and financier gilbert onslow took rank in my mind with moses and david and oliver cromwell and all the other stalwart redressers of human wrongs i would have kissed the dust from the boots of dr keneally and cheerfully burnt lady titchbourne at the stake but the great reason for my present joy at sight of the signpost has still to be told in these now woefully distant days i had registered a vow on the back cover of my maver's spelling-book that i would see three places before i died these three places were jerusalem new orleans and titchbourne and here at last lay one of them on my direct line of route i came down into titchbourne through some of the fairest woods and fattest pastures it had ever been my lot to behold england the old merry prosperous england epitomized herself here in the land of los sir roger and the village itself was the true focus of it all there was titchbourne house standing a little way off deep in a maze of old apple trees and girt about with an ancient red brick wall there was the titchbourne arms crimson curtained bright with new paint and polished window glass where no doubt the retired butlers of centuries had laid up their comfortable bones there was the square grey battlemented church full as i conceived of titchbourne family monuments and there were the little black and white thatched cottages grouped decorously and respectfully on the two sides of the winding village street 
exhaling feudalism and snug dependence from every poor i sat down by the village well to rest and smoke and reflect upon it all i looked at the tidy street the blooming gardens the easy poverty and content of service that basked around me i looked at the fine old family mansion nestling like a prize hen among her plebeian chickens i thought of the broad acres the dukely rent-roll a whole countryside as it were eternally pulling its forelock and crooking its knee and my hearty sympathy or at least understanding went out to covetous clever arthur orton and stood fraternally by him on that momentous day when from his outpost in arlesford he put together that deep scheme which by so little came to such utter naught as i thus pondered there arrived at the well an opulent-looking old gentleman in a smock and gaiters bearing two pails on a milkman's yoke he set these down with a clank and proceeded to draw water and i for my part desiring to draw information helped him to wind up the rope many's the bucket of water said i by way of preliminary that has journeyed up this dark lane since poor arthur orton's time the old gentleman gave me a quick glance then he looked up the road and down the road finally looking at me again be ye visitin at the great house he asked cautiously oh no i'm only a stranger passing through well now he came a step nearer looky here a minute he came quite close old tully somewhat he half whispered the words into my ear arthur orton there never were no such person arthur orton don't ye get talkin o that to the old folk hereabout or you'll soon have a straight word from the shoulder twere poor sir roger his very own self and no other soul in the world so help me lord he said it as though he were making a solemn affidavit and having said it he drew back to study its effect but see now i always believed in him as you do yet when he came out of prison he wrote the whole story for the papers confessing that he was arthur orton and the entire thing a fraud how do you get over that the old gentleman smiled incredulously i were paid to do it i were an old man and a poor man i were broke in mind and body and here were a bit of money to be had no blame to an either i did it because i were paid to do it i tell ye but they would have paid just as much for tichborne's story as for arthur orton's story they only wanted the truth you know he smiled more incredulously than ever see yeah whoever ye be i knowed young sir roger a proper wild lad as ever drew breath i mind well when i went away to foreign parts and i seed and many's the time when i come back 
and they yonder tried to fix it on un as a were arthur orton but i knowed un i tell ee and as old nurse knowed un as they clapped into the madhouse purty quick to shut her mouth like but you might both have been mistaken sir roger went away a boy and the one who came back claiming to be sir roger titchbourne was a man well on in life and a hard life too even if it had really been sir roger he must have been entirely altered and you could hardly have known his face the old gentleman regarded me with scorn now as well as incredulity his face i never lowed as i knowed his face nor no one else didn't twas the words as proved the man listen now i comes up to in yonder twere the same man keepin it look ye as i went away hello says he ye've moved a picture from that there wall as i used to be very fond o a fine picture in a gold frame and with gold all over the back what's come to it says he sure as i stands here the very same picture were in the house still and there were the gold back just as i said another thing now i went ridin maybe with mr onslow as stood his friend through thick and thin and lost eighteen thousand pound by it they was ridin along together and says sir roger sudden like ah there used to be a gate here as many a time i've rode through just here where the bushes is growed up Arterwards they dug up the place and sure as i live there was the stumps of the old gate-posts underground buried and forgotten what might you say to that there was nothing to be said and he went on ay i could tell you stories and the old woman get no water from now to carol time but this and i'll finish ye sir roger i come through a old garden hereby and says he pointin see that tree i planted that tree i did with my own hands years afore i went away and what do you think i put underneath a root on it i put a girt big stone there and there you'll find it still and sure as ye has eyes to your face find it they did just as he told em ay i were poor sir roger right now and no other livin soul that noon i lunched at the titchbourne arms as a right and a bounden duty the wind was still blowing hard and cold in my face when i took the road again but the country was so charming that i paid little heed to this the whole afternoon was just a pleasant saunter from one pretty village to another through low-lying but infinitely diversified scenery towards sundown however i got tired of the winding white lanes and the face of man and yielding to a sudden fit of vagabondage climbed over the nearest gate making straight ahead through a vista of trackless green pastures the ruddy light full in my eyes it was wanton flagrant trespass no doubt 
and therein both culpable and irresistible i went as it were with my life in my hand through an enemy's country and every step was fraught with a sweet peril i began the tramp as a mere scout but the fancy rapidly developed after i had scrambled through half a dozen hedges crossed a field of rape and breasted a hazel copse or two i promoted myself to the moccasins of leather stocking thence on coming to a sunny bit of valley full of lowing milch kine with a patch of red farmstead in the middle it was an easy change to one of the spies in canaan but i was still to play my star part i skirted the valley unseen swung myself across a brook by means of an overhanging ash branch then finding myself on the brink of a wild forest country i got me on the lincoln jerkin of robin hood i was tired enough of that character and of this particular merry greenwood before i was done with them for the first half hour i moved in a very aureola of romance it were easy to believe that no human foot had ever trodden that mossy path before far ahead the saffron of the sunset glittered through the trees above me the oaks made a close-knit russet canopy and behind there was the blue night coming up hand over hand like a dusky enemy in pursuit rabbits broke continually across the path hares ran on ahead or played in the quiet glades to left and right of me the deep bugle call of pheasants went to and fro in the wood everywhere there was the last sleepy twittering of the birds as they settled to roost but soon the rich light for which i was staring paled and lowered the darkness gained upon and overran and passed me at length it filled all the wood a ground mist sprang up so that i could scarce see the trend of the path a dozen feet away and still against the thin scarlet line that divided the darkness of earth and sky the tree-tops crowded one behind the other and every furlong i covered seemed to reveal unnumbered and impenetrable leagues ahead starlight has always an alluring poetic flavour about it and when there is a hard road underfoot and he is sure of his way the traveller need ask for no brighter company but in the midst of a wood of unknown extent with night long since fallen and hunger and fatigue dogging his heels a full moon and plenty of milestones are more to his purpose the stars and the last dull patch in the west were however all i had to guide me that night and a good hour went by before the trees began to thin about me and i came out at last upon an open way here the woods ended and the country fell away abruptly beneath i stopped at the first clear point of outlook and scanned the dark gulf below 
to my great joy i saw a little blur of lights close at hand and as i trudged down the steep lane towards it a church clock struck denoting a village of some extent ten minutes later i reached the place as far as i could make out in the darkness it was as pretty as anything i had ever seen the church stood in the midst of it the street dividing and curving round each side of the graveyard without there was almost a complete circle of houses all facing towards the church some fine old elms towered up against the stars on the north side i heard the drumming of water over a weir not far off but i was too tired and hungry to concern myself much over its beauties then i unshipped my rucksack and set about the task of looking for board and bed i made the round of the place twice before i spied a queer little cottage standing somewhat back from the street the door of it stood open giving a view of the lighted interior and every now and then a strange cry drifted out upon the still night air that at once attracted my attention rain a comin rain a comin joe the words were uttered in a harsh strident mocking voice though perfectly distinct i ought to have known them at once for a parrot's yet it was not until i had listened and heard them repeated three or four times over that this explanation of the curious cry occurred to me and then i loitered up to the door and casually glanced in there was a little round table spread for a meal there was a glowing wood fire before which sat a very small white-headed old man on a three-legged stool placidly toasting bacon on his shoulder perched the parrot a mass of internecine colour blue and scarlet and green and all around him fixed to the walls sheathed in the corners or displayed on the mantelpiece were countless weapons of war but every one of a savage kind assegais knobkerries hideous curved scimitars and knives an old matchlock or two fantastically ornamented with beads all this i took in at a first glance and then found myself staring into the little old man's face and he into mine for he had suddenly turned and discovered me i did not delay an explanation i was just passing said i and heard your parrot calling out what a voice there is to him but he is wrong this time by the look of the night it cannot rain for weeks this rather deft resort to the side issue was perfectly successful i could see at once that my rudeness of intrusion was in a fair way of being forgiven and even forgotten the old man smiled wisely then he stuck his tongue into his lower lip craftily blinking both eyes rain a comin rain a comin joe the old man fondled the screaming gewgaw into silence ah 
said he with ineffable meaning ah do ye say that now i'll tell ye what i'll do i'll wager my sunday coat as it'll rain hard afore mornin' for all your fine nights now then he landed the fizzling bacon into a dish at his side and began on another rasher tis like this he went on ye heard and cried joe my name bent joe twere my old father as were a sea captain and a great traveller i bought home all his hair stickers and clubs and things and the parrot were his'n and him and the parrot they sailed many a voyage together i larned the parrot a sight of things and the parrot land thee more's the pity but one thing the parrot knowed of his own self better'n my father though a were fifty year on the sea i knowed the weather upside and downside if i set to callin wind a comin joe there was all hands to shorten the sail directly minute and so twere with the rain and so tis still i tell ee i can't be beat the old man had talked himself into such a condition of glowing bonhomie that i ventured now on the thing that had been uppermost in my own thoughts i explained to him my position and asked him if he could tell me where i could find a lodging for the night he thought it over a while would just a little small cupboard of a room not no size at all content ye anyhow i told him i should be glad of the simplest accommodation and just a bite o common whittles such as a lone widow man ud do we that's all i want in the world then bide along o me he said and put more bacon on the spit End of chapter twenty one